a priest, his brother, and a married guy walk into a podcast to discover the deepest truths of our day. If you're a seeker of ancient wisdom, interdimensional museums, and the Baltimore Catechism, then this is not the show for you. You're listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. And it starts right now. You are listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. This is Father Sean, and I'm with Nolan Reynolds. How are you, Nolan? I'm pretty great. How are you, Father Sean? I'm doing well. And uh, Justin is is no longer with us. By no longer with us, he's just not around to record today. So we have a special guest, (laughs) Father Rob Ketchum. How are you doing, Father Rob? I'm good, thank you, Father Sean. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing well. (laughs) (laughs) A little better? That, That was our second attempt at an introduction because when Justin's not around, everything falls apart. But they won't hear the first attempt. No, they won't hear it. So it'll be a mystery. Maybe if you support us on Patreon, then you'll be able to hear (laughs) the failed. I was just going to say the same thing. (laughs) We'll put together a recording of all our failed attempts at intros. And you'll get exclusive rights to listen to that if you support us. Sometimes the most fun part of a movie are the bloopers. I can assure you that the most fun part of our podcast is not the times that we mess up. You sure about that? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure, but I, I don't. I don't mean who could really be sure of anything these days. <laughs> no. <laughs> so people need to like financially support the podcast if we want to hear Father. If we want to hear Justin now, is that how it works? Oh well, I think we have. I don't know how it works because Justin. To be honest, the episodes that Justin isn't on. Uh, any episode that doesn't have the three of us goes down. But then the episodes that are just Justin and Nolan go even further down than that. So you tell me what that means. I'm not I'm not here to interpret the statistics. I'm here to just give you the statistics. Where is Justin? And, is and, like... and smile smugly. <laughs> Justin is driving back to Nashville today. Oh, okay. So that's that's where that's where he is. He was available to record this whole week for a window of about maybe uh, 75 minutes. <laughs> Split up into like five-minute yeah. chunks. Yeah, so we could, have each, we could have recorded each segment separately with Justin and then tried to put it all together. So now we, settled, well, we, we decided that that would have been settling, so now we're, we're, we're doing this instead. Even our most diehard fans don't need the show that bad. <laughs> Do you have a favorite podcast? Of the ones that we've recorded? recorded? Favorite episode, yeah. I think the Good, Good, Good Friday episode's my favorite. I think the Bagel Kid one is my favorite. <laughs> which, which brings me to a question. Before we go ahead and, in, and introduce Father Rob more formally and, ask, and talk about how we know him and stuff, we need to get this out of the way. Father Rob, are you a Bagel Kid or were you a Bagel Kid? You know, I've become more of a Bagel person... Um, I think I was a I was a bagel kid, but I've only become more. I'm like a bagel scooped out person now. I'm like scooped out now. <laughs> but I was. I guess I was a bagel kid. Yeah. yeah. So like so like for lunch like like out of out of the five days a week at, at lunch at your high school, how many of those days are you having a bagel? A bagel. For oh lunch? my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, the bagel was always a good go-to. Yeah. Well, um, you know what is in the morning? You have like the bagel and that like quote unquote egg, and then 
I guess a lot of times right. during lunch, <laughs> right. yeah, it was like it was yeah that second choice the bagel became the first choice at lunch a lot of times, yeah. That's so funny. The, but they were terrible, huh? They were like designed to last forever. I mean, they were just nasty bagels at school. I think. I, yeah, right. I would. I would never eat a, a bagel that didn't come from a bagel place unless I had to. Gosh, they were terrible. That's cellophane. <laughs> so you you would eat a bagel in the morning and a bagel for lunch. Right. Yeah, I guess looking back, yeah, definitely a bagel kid. Yeah. That's like a whole new level. That's why I scoop that is out a whole now. New level. Try to make up for it, you know. And denying that, and then you'd buy a third to play hockey with after school, because <laughs> that's what those bagels were good for. Yeah. I'm still surprised that Nolan wasn't a bagel kid. You're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Although Nolan did recommend once eating chicken marsala at a Met game. That was like a hundred degrees. You wouldn't even, like you said, you wouldn't even have to cook it. You could have just brought it and it would have cooked itself. I just would have done it for the reaction of the people around me. Uh, yeah, that would have been priceless. You probably would have gotten sick as a result of that, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> like when we were uh, in World Youth Day in Spain. Remember that, Father Rob? And we had to eat all that brujut that was like out in the 100 degree weather. <laughs> and how we would have cans of like weird fish that would uh, bubble up. By the time it was time to open them, it would be, like, all swollen. Yeah, like, ruined the whole week with the kids because, like, they respected me up until that point and they saw me eating and enjoying them. (laughs) (laughs) This is so good. And they were like, this guy's just crazy. (laughs) He's a bagel kid. That's what it is. But uh, that one, that was, like, we were in the leftover group for that one. I think that's probably when I got to know you the most was – World Youth Day in Madrid because I had seen you at different things here and there but I'd never been whenever I saw you I was we were always with our mutual friend Father Lachlan but that was like the first time that I was just with you for something yeah I, I know that was uh, that was like two of us saying hey do you think we can like uh, you know hang out sometimes ourselves I mean you think uh, we can maybe lead the youth on our own sometimes I mean, that's true you know, we're always we're always surrounded by the greater Catholic community yeah, and then we realized, why don't we just be friends when nobody else is there, too? It was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, and not just public friends, but we could be private friends, too. <laughs> Did you eat the fish at World Youth Day? No. I don't eat fish when I'm not at World Youth Day. That's yeah, what I need to learn from you. Yeah, I just, every year we get something that I don't know what it is. And then I think it's always better not to eat something if you don't know what it is. <laughs> I mean, if, like if I were like with you guys and you're like, hey, let's go out to eat. And you're like, try this. I'm like, what is it? And you're like, just try it. Then I'll try it. Because I know that I have a bathroom nearby and I won't have to wait 45 minutes to use it. <laughs> you, can't, you, you have to always, you have to, what world do you think? You have to be just hydrated enough. And just hungry enough at all times that you never have to use a bathroom. There you go. Oh my gosh, it's a good rule to follow. Yeah, it's it's that's well, that's that's the life that we live when we go on trips like that. They had those kind of very public porta potties. Yes, yeah, the, that people very were brushing their public. teeth in. Yeah, <laughs> which made me nauseous. Yeah, one one man's urinal is another man's sink. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. That's and great. I saw I, I either a priest or seminarian lift up his cassock and use one of those. And I was like, this just doesn't look good. But this is inter- that's interesting. It reminds me of something. Like one of, a, a priest friend of mine once said, of ours, I suppose, he said, 
there are two types of priests. He says there are the full white collar priests, and then there's the tab collar priests. That's what he said. <laughs> this is like years ago. But I would like to tweak that a little bit. Not that I really necessarily subscribe to that altogether myself. But I would say there are two types of priests: those who are willing to go to World Youth Day, <laughs> 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 and those who are not. Uh, yeah, it takes a special type of person to be able to yeah. pull that off. Yeah, so even like those tab collar priests or those gray shirt priests are, have something in common with those cassock priests who are at the urinals at World Youth Day. They're both doing World Youth Day. And to me, that's like a, in a class of its own. It's amazing. I, well, I see you where the first World Youth Day we were at together, you had that gray shirt. Yes, I did the gray shirt and like the gray, like the gray khakis. Yeah. And like, I'm going to go like, I'm going to go in such a way this will be a lot more practical and well, I, when this year I wore the, the, at Poland, I wore the black shirt. But at one point when we did that like long trek, I I wore um, hiking did you pants. Have yeah, and it just it just looked terrible. <laughs> I might as well have had a fanny pack too. <laughs> I wish I was Filipino. You, you could wear those black shirts that just don't untu- you know they just stay untucked. Yeah, the- or that guy. That guy who has the, who's that guy who has the untucked company like the untucked? We should have them make clerical shirts. <laughs> I'm sure. You know, I'm sure we could. Do you know untuck it? Yeah. Is that that? Yeah. Yes. I look at that guy on TV. I'm like, that's so cool. I'm like, I can never do that. <laughs> I'll never be able to do that. <laughs> I mean, unless I was Filipino, because that's what they do. They they like un they have these untucked clerical shirts. But, you know, but they also like the, go the down pockets. to like your knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has like six pockets. Like that, just go from where the normal pocket would be, and then two more below each one. That's it's right. It's actually just a really short cassock. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cassock for like a toddler, but wear the shirt. Baby cassocks. <laughs> yeah. Now oh we've validated our Filipino audience. If we had them. That's another oh, thing we, about us, Father Rob. We have to ostracize at least one portion of the audience every time we have a right. episode. And well, no one needs yeah, be, to be insulted. Be careful with the Filipino audience, because chances are there's 75% of your audience. They always are 75% of the Catholic audience. <laughs> right, that's true. That's I've never it. met a group of people that loves priests more. I know. The Filipinos. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I went to the Philippines. 16 days. That's pretty cool. So friends of ours were celebrating their 50th anniversary they took us to the philippines every time we got in the car to go somewhere the priest friend i was with i was with father royce verdict he's a montfort father and we get in the car and i'd say where are we going he'd say i don't know but we on our way <laughs> which is <laughs> is he also the little rascals <laughs> it's from the little rascals <laughs> and then when we would get there, he would imitate his niece, who when she was little, every time the car would stop, like at a stoplight or a stop sign, she'd go, here we are. <laughs> so every time we'd stop somewhere, he'd go, here we are. We never knew where we were going. <laughs> we never knew where we were when we got there. It was beautiful, though. It was certainly an experience. <laughs> I love moments like that. I don't know about 15 days, but I love yeah. moments like that. Yeah, it was a little bit long, but it was a, it was a good experience, yeah. Made up for a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Nolan, how do you know Father Rob? Um, I probably met Father Rob when I was taking classes at the seminary and Father Rob was in the seminary. I want to say that was probably the first time I got to know Father Rob. Um, and, and, and then uh, when you had hosted the oratory a couple times, I remember going to that. 
Yeah, um, I guess that's right. Yeah. Was that before? Was that was that right after you? I mean, uh, I were ordained. I think you're right. Yeah, 2008, I was ordained. I think I, you know, hearing about you and your youth ministry, you were like this excellent youth minister. People were talking about, and you're this, you know, your life teen guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew about you, and obviously had seen you coming and going. But then, yeah, I think our friendship began when I became a priest, and, and yeah, probably Clubberg too, somewhere in there. Yeah, definitely crossing paths and different things. Yeah. So I think I think much like Father Sean, it wasn't like necessarily one particular moment. It was uh, it was a, a bunch of crossing over into different Catholic uh, mediums and connections that way. Yeah. The first time I ever met you, you came. You and Father Lachlan came to say mass at Adelphi when I was a senior, and I didn't realize why it was like a, a like a tag team. Hmm. <laughs> and they said that you were newly ordained, and I was like, "Wow, they got ordained, and then they came here to say mass." But then I realized it was like almost a year. Yeah. Well, when did you? I know. When did you graduate? <laughs> I graduated in two thousand nine, so it would have right. been like yeah. May in two thousand nine. So that would have been like almost one almost year, year that you were ordained. Yeah. Yeah, so you, is that the first time you were, like we met? Is that Yeah, I, I, I think I did a reading or something, wow. and then like you asked me if I wanted to be a priest, and I said probably no, hmm. or I said maybe. See, that's interesting. See, I, I uh, yeah, that's amazing. I just really feel like um, I would have seen you around before then or known you before. I guess that's it, though. I guess that's when it started. Yeah, and then, oh, that's amazing. then we went to the March for Life together. And because you were you and Father Lachlan were just always together. Yes, and then he got sent to Rome. We right. knew it would happen. <laughs> what what year would that have been, that uh, Father Sean? That what year would that have been that you and I were at the March for Life together, where we probably first got to know each other? It's the same March for Life. Will you remember what year that was? Yeah, that would have been two thousand ten. Because I probably got I probably got to know Father Rob more on that. Uh, on that trip as well. Yeah, that that say uh, that's was definitely that the, was that the March for Life where it was like Father Rob, Father Lachlan, Father Joe, like the whole crew was there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And your predecessor good, at uh, at the high school that you're at sang the uh, Divine uh, what's it called Divine Mercy Chapel. Oh, I remember that well. Yeah. So that was, and then I got in trouble for watch, putting the Goonies on. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that, and I'll never forget who got mad. It I feel be, like I've shown the Goonies at uh, at at uh, youth youth events before. Yeah, it's a high school group. The 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 Goonies is rated PG, but because it was in the '80s, it might have been PG thirteen today. Everyone oh, good, on that yeah. bus was over thirteen in the beginning yeah, of the th- movie. There are some. There's definitely some cursing in it. Yeah, there, sure. and, and, and there was one curse, and then a mother of one of the students going said that we had to shut it off. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And I, every time I see her, I remind her that your mother made me turn off the Goonies. Oh man, it's a whole new meaning to Catholic guilt. <laughs> You know what I love about you, Father Sean? The, fa- the, the, the Sean I met then is still the Sean I meet now, and I know it's going to be the Sean. You're still the type of guy who would put the Goonies on. I would. March for Life. I, I, I would. It's a I, life-affirming movie. It talks about the dignity of every human person. 
that even those who are poor, even those who are forgotten, even those who maybe aren't don't look right like sloth, they all yeah. have dignity. Goonies never say die. That's right. Not just the Good rich, use. not just the rich kids are important. All this other stuff is the dignity of human life. I should write an article about that. The dignity of Father, human Father life. Father Sean likes to think of, of himself among the Goonies of the priesthood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, I could get around that, get behind that. I don't know if there are any other Goonies, but uh, I'm at least one. There's some always- out there. I was always a little afraid of the Goonies. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. Anything really visually odd like that was like for me so disturbing when I was a kid. It's crazy. It's really crazy. It's the no. simplest thing. I know it's the most you know. It's one of the purest things you can imagine seeing now. But it's those kind of things used to just kind of really. Well, a lot of those '80s unsettling. movies are like disturbing, though. Yeah. In that sense. There's something quietly terrifying about the Goonies. Yeah. The, so just those kids should have never been allowed to do any of the things that they did in that movie. <laughs> I mean, I, they, I almost feel like you could change the dialogue and it could easily be like an episode of Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> <laughs> but also think about like the the Fratellis yeah. are a mob group that are are going to try to kill children. Yeah, like, I mean, right. like it's like like when you think about something like it's Home Alone, crazy. right? Home Alone, like there was never any real danger until the end of the movie, right? But in the Goonies, there was real danger throughout. At any moment, one of those kids could have been murdered or fell into a booty trap. <laughs> <laughs> a booty trap. A booty trap. That's what I said. Booty trap. A booty trap. That's awesome. Oh gosh. Well, I think I don't know if we can recover from that. So I think this would be a good yeah, time that's to a good take place a break. To pivot. <laughs> Welcome right, back. So what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> You do exactly what you did in the other one. You interrupt each other and fail the intro. <laughs> oh, just wait for the third one. I'm going to leave that one in because I think that was funny. Um, so one of the things that I think is um, interesting about Father Rob is that both he and Nolan do similar work in the sense that they both work in high schools. Now, you were a parish priest uh, for five years, and then you were asked to be the chaplain at um, a high school. And I assume that that would have been probably uh, an adjustment. Yeah, I think the bishop saw the youth ministry that I started at the parish with uh, our good friend, Rosie Caston, which w- she was really a gift to me at that parish. Um, what, a, you know, what a friendship in Christ. And then also she had this ability to easily communicate with the, the youth there, her faith, communicate her faith with the, the youth there. So we started a youth group there. I think the bishop saw that. I think it was good good youth group we called the Frasati Youth named that the Frasati and you know we thought about you know in a sense putting it under the umbrella of Life Teen in time if that happened but uh, in any case I was um, also started that oratory a young adult prayer group and that that became something that I think people really enjoyed it was like a monthly meeting or adoration and a, and a speaker and the fraternity afterwards the fellowship I think the bishop saw that and then said you know he actually I remember the phone call you know what would you 
How would you feel about going to a high school? It was right toward the end of my first five years there, the parish. And I said, yeah, sure. And then I didn't know which high school he would say. I thought Trinity because I think Father Joe at that time was being assigned to a vocation director. I had heard that was happening, that transition was happening. and So I was thinking Holy Trinity. In any case, uh, I wasn't that familiar with St. John the Baptist. He said, how about St. John the Baptist? I said, that's the one across from uh, Good Sam, right? Hmm. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, I, I would love that. I said, of course. So that's how it worked. I think he was seeing the youth group and the uh, young adult ministry at the parish. Now, you went to a public high school, right? I did. I'm all public. We had the freshmen coming in this week for what are called freshman forerunner days. And one of the questions I asked them right away, and they're like, okay, how many of you were in public school? And they raised their hand. I'm like, all right, no worries. You know, I'm all public school myself, too. And, you know, I'm learning also these these days, like, just what a Catholic school is and how it's different. I love it very much. I love the differences. I hope you do, too. What, so, yeah, all public school. What strikes you West, as, like, um, yeah. as, like, you know, aside, aside from the obvious, like, um, you know, crucifixes on the, on the walls and, you know, every once in a while a priest walking by. Like, what strikes you having gone to public school? Because I went to public school too, and now I work. Mm. Now I work in a Catholic high school, and um, there, I, I think there's some pretty stark differences. But what about yourself? Yeah, obviously, just the fact that you can have a conversation that would include God, like when you're talking about world uh, issues um, and, and cultural issues in particular, mm-hmm. like um, relationships between uh, people. But uh, also just that presence of the chapel in the school. I think the presence of the Eucharist in the school is, I think it's everything in terms of like what a Catholic school uh, is, you know, that, that Christocentric identity. But I think if you were a student in the high school and you knew you had a chapel in your high school, that would definitely be different than being in a public high school. I mean, I, I can't imagine being able to stop by a, a chapel to pray before the Blessed Sacrament in, in uh, West Hampton Beach High School. Yeah. It just wasn't. So um, I think the presence of the Eucharist and the um, ability to speak publicly, openly in the school about God, to pray together, basically, to pray together. I mean, I know it sounds like the obvious answer, but I think that's... Because no, what is it? They have the athletics, you got your academics, that's all there. You know, I went to a good school, I'm sure you did too. Were you, Lind- are you a bulldog? I am a Where bulldog. Were you? I'm a Lindy bulldog. Yeah. So that's you know, a good school. My parents are both uh, bulldogs too, by the way. So. Yeah. Oh, are they really? Good for them. Yeah. I just. That's uh, where they met. <laughs> Swindlehurst, as we called it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, I just think like, um, I guess for me, um, like, I we had a very, very uh, big youth group at the time, and, and our parish was very involved, and we had such a good relationship in the community that like my youth minister would come by during school hours and, and make appearances and the the uh, priest moderator would uh would, would come by you know once or twice a week so um and i thought that was uh, i always thought that was awesome but i mean yeah with a catholic high school um with a chapel with an assigned chaplain there's it's just i, I can't even imagine what a difference and what a comfort that would have been for me in high school um to be able to to be able to do that, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad I can a, a, be able to co- contribute to it now, and I'm sure that's something that that drives your um, your role hmm. and your your vision there at the school. Well, one of the things I say to the kids as they come in, especially again as the freshmen are coming in now, in the beginning of the year, I say to them, I like to think of campus ministry, which is maybe the religious experience in the school, um, the more explicitly religious experience. Let's just say I should say. 
I say I like to think of it as like a table underneath all the pieces of the puzzle of your life. So, so you have like your academics, you got your athletics on your mind, your relationships with your family, relationships with your friends you're, you're here making here in the school. And then I said, and you have all those pieces, and you're going to need a place to put them. And I said, you can always come to us in campus ministry. We're going to be here for you with concern for all those pieces. You know, we're not in competition with your athletics. We're not in competition with your academics. You know, we're not trying to be in competition with your relationships, but we want to help you with all of that. So to say to them, God cares about all these things in your life. Campus ministry can be like a table underneath all the other things you have going on here at the school, or all of the things you have going on. I think in the Catholic high school, we can we can say that to them. You can, and and that can become a reality for them, where they have a place that's. Um, I guess it's a place of more like it's more profound, if you will, than just the guidance counselor, um, which is always a pretty practical conversation, um, in terms of what you're going to study, what you're going to take, and then of course there's teachers that you admire and you love, you you want to talk to. Um, you're attracted to like certain coaches, and you can have heart-to-hearts, of course. And faith comes up in those conversations sometimes, even in public school. But I think in a Catholic school, to have the campus ministry experience where you can um, like explicitly and very, I don't know, I want to say, like in a very real way, um, place these experiences in your own life like on God, and know that you're doing that, to do that intentionally, if you will. And uh, that's what we try to offer them. Do you, yeah. Now, do you have like um, like an open door policy, like people can kind of just stop in when they have like a free period? Is that one of the things that you offer? Yeah, three offices are attached to the chapel, and um, I'm there with two other campus ministers, and the kids can come by any time. And they do. And I tell the freshmen, if you ever get overwhelmed in the beginning of the year, if you feel like you're sinking we do a little prayer service with them we have you know we show them peter sinking on the water and reaching out for jesus so i said if you're ever looking at the waves of obligations that are around you now and are causing you to sink or the fears the anxieties you have beginning or walking into a new place for the first time you cry out for jesus and i said you can stop by the chapel you can say lord save me sinking you can say it in your heart you can say it to a teacher you can say it to us here in campus ministry so you can come to us with anything. And I tell the freshmen, you know, if you're a little late for class, you're a little overwhelmed, so if you want to come to me for a pass, you get a little freshman privilege for a while, you know, just come see us. We're here for you. I tell the boys, you get in trouble, I'll stand with you. I'll, I'll tell the kid, you know, the administration, you're a good kid, and that kind of thing. You know, I mean, it just, you know, whatever. Just absolutely try to convey to them that, you know, we're, we're here for you. The one thing that I'm a little wary of in, in this uh, comforting welcome is setting up the big crying room ministry i just want to be careful with the you know promoting this idea that like you're gonna sink you're gonna cry it's gonna be overwhelming you're gonna be afraid you want to let them know that if it happens you you can come to us but you don't want to make it seem like it's definitely going to happen right yeah i I, because i mean (laughs) i having uh we have at at saint patrick's there's a school there and we have obviously it goes k through eight and then so the eighth graders go on to um high school and it's like at the moment that they graduate going to high school is something that's very exciting and something that they're looking forward to but as the summer kind of dwindles down and the reality comes in that they're about to to actually go that's when they start getting nervous and like you know they realize the the daunting um experience that that kind of awaits them but that being said 
any transition that you you can survive. Like you know, it's not like it's not like you they're going off to war or you know, you know they somehow it's like something ultra terror. It's like a transition that everybody experiences. So I like that, that you said that like oh you're not definitely gonna swim or you're not you know I mean sink uh, you know it's not it's yeah. like your whole world's not definitely going to to uh, fall apart. And I think one of the things with ministry that you always have to. Uh, be aware of and I'm sure that you you've gotten uh, this experience is everyone has their own problems so you're going to have the student who maybe has a parent that's very sick uh, and has like cancer or something like that and then you're going to get the student that didn't make the um, you know cheerleading team or something like that and they're both going to come in and that's going to be the the biggest thing on their heart and you always have to kind of weigh it in the sense that like this is the most important thing to this person whereas that's the most important thing to that person and you can't really compare because the temptation is always to be like well you don't have real problems why are you bothering me you know what i mean, I mean that 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 we would ever like, say that but that's, that's what were you gonna say no like the ways that was one of the uh the biggest lessons i think i've learned in in youth ministry but especially i think in in campus ministry because like yeah it's like you say you'll have somebody who you know is going through some real garbage at home and, and going through some real stuff at home. And then another kid will come and, you know, want to talk about, you know, you know, the problems that she's having with her boyfriend or someone else like talking about, you know, just, a, you know, what somebody said to her, you know, through, through a text. And um, it is, there is a temptation to be like, oh, just blow that off. That's not a big deal. Like, why are you even stressing about it? But to them, that's their world. Right. That's their everything. Right. And at that moment, you got to ha- kind of have that heart of, of Jesus to just break into that world and even if you know it's something that in the grand scheme of things is not a big deal and 10 years from now five years from now or even a year from now they're not even going to give a second thought to in that moment um, man it's such an opportunity to, to break in and, and be there for them yeah I would also I would say it's the only right. way in to these kids lives is what's important to them mm-hmm. Oh yeah, if you don't take seriously the things that they take serious, um, right. yeah, that, that's you're not going to earn the right yeah. to, to say anything again. Because I mean, one yeah. of the things, like that whole speech that you give, right? If they came to you and you weren't there, you're now a liar, and they will never come to you again. You have like one, right. you have one shot. So if you if you put out this like, uh, you know, this is what we're here for, and and then you don't do that, that's it. You're done. Right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you absolutely have to be there for them when they do come. But then when they do come, like, I like the way you say it. You have to know that what's going to be important in the conversation is what's right. important to them. And that's it. I'm, I am praying for the grace all the time to, to really see where they are and to understand where they are. Because I, I'm understanding more and more that that's the way into their heart and mind. Yeah, and that's because that's one of the things that... For us, we we tend to deal with more heavy stuff, um, so that when the lighter stuff comes around, you know, that, like I said, that temptation is there to blow it off. Um, but we always have to remember. Uh, I, I I just and then you'd also don't want to be dismissive of a person in general because the other temptation is that like um, you know you get to know certain people very well because I'm sure there are people um, who who 
are consistent in stopping by and saying hello and talking to you, who are involved in some of the activities that you may moderate or run. Um, so you get to know them very well. And they, for lack of a better word, become like your favorites in a certain sense because you see them all the time. You get to know them better. And then that, that balance is always something important too, that you don't want people to know like, oh, well, uh, he doesn't like me because he likes that, that person better or you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, one one way that that I, I one something I find that helps with that, I'll say it that way, is uh, remembering Jesus had his friends that were around him, and and this close group of apostles and closer disciples, you know, were like a band of brothers that were with him at the time, and then those holy women who were befriending him and staying with him as well, and you know, people saw that, people were seeing that, and it it didn't look exclusive to them as much as it looked like friendship, a new right. community, you know, it was beautiful. So it was this whole like little society in Christ moving around. And uh, so I think in the campus ministry world that happens too, yeah. like youth ministry kids in a parish, yeah. you know, you, that the people see that. It's like, look at that community and you want in people. It's attractive yeah. to people, I think. You know. Yeah, it's Can a be. natural thing. <laughs> and some people will be, would be re- resentful of it. But um, at the same time, I think it's because they recognize something good in it. Yeah, and I think I always want to protect those kids, too, from being written off as youth ministry kids or campus ministry kids, as if they can't, you know, fit into the athletic world or the world of academia. That's not true. The campus ministry and youth ministry kids oftentimes are extraordinarily talented and very bright. I find them to be capable of the the mysteries a lot of times. Yeah, so they sometimes um, are written off, I think, like these large um, church programs or these... um, Prayer experiences a lot of times get written off as maybe you know the kids that are that need to go to something like that. Like I think that's what it looks like sometimes to other young people, and I understand that. I mean, I I also looked with uh, some curiosity at the youth group in my parish when I was in high school too. I was like, why you know what are they doing? Why can't they just go hang out? Why why do they need to go to the church to hang out? You know. Um, but then I I discovered, and this is where my vocation came from. I discovered the joy that they experience and the freedom that they experience by building their friendship on the church. Mm-hmm. And so I try to remember that. I mean, I know it looks odd sometimes from the outside, that friendship in Christ, but I've had so many experiences, and with you guys, so many experiences now of that deeper communion that's possible through the church that I'm, I'm, I'm like unapologetic and offering it to the, you know, the football captain, you know? It's like, trust me, this is a, a, a beautiful way for us to be in relationship. And that being said, you know, it doesn't mean you have to come around the campus ministry offices all the time and become a quote-unquote campus ministry kid. I mean, I'll, I'll be with you on the sidelines. I'll row with you in the in the boat, you know, in the, you know, where I'll be, wherever you are, I'll be on the ice as you're playing up in, <laughs> in, in Hopog there at the, uh, at the rinks, you know. I'll, uh, I'll be with you in your, in your life, but spiritually to, to allow themselves really to be part of the church. That's the invitation, I think. Well, I think that's a good way to, uh, to end this segment. On the yeah, ice, where we where we can slip and hurt ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we'll 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 do that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. Um, I, I really wish that Justin was here because I always, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> well, but uh, I know what to say. 
All right, so then why don't you say something, <laughs> Nolan? You look all relaxed in your chair chance. with your flesh shirt. I'm pretty comfy, actually. It is uh, it is only uh, 8.30 in the morning as we record this, so... I haven't yeah. quite completely woken up. Hey, Father Sean, is that a helmet by you or something? What is that? No, I'm wearing big headphones. That's not a... Oh, yeah, that's a mi- oh, that's a microphone. Oh, oh, this, yeah, that's the snowball. <laughs> the snowball. Oh my gosh, I thought it was a hockey helmet. <laughs> I got one too. Oh, we're legitimate. Uh, that would have oh, been really nice. ironic if that was a hockey helmet. Actually, here you are talking about ice time. Yeah, I ran and the got way. it in between segments during that thirty-second song. If people want to know where the music <laughs> comes from, it comes from uh, the Spork album that my brother and and Kyle did. It could be read. The album could be read two ways. Uh, it could be read more bass than a Friday in Lent, or more bass than a Friday in Lent. You you can you can choose. It's a pun. That's what, whichever you prefer. That's hilarious. That's very good. So one of the so. things that I I think uh, and and I don't want to. So one of the things I'm also very aware of is I don't like being defined as the blank priest, like the youth ministry priest or the this priest. I like just being a priest. Um, so I, I, I say that not to make you pigeonholed in any way. But one of the things that I think that, that, that you did at St. John the Baptist, which is really good, it, it, you started making videos um, for the students there. What, can you kind of talk about what your inspiration was to, to start doing something like that? Yeah, my inspiration for that came from uh, two specific people. Mark Barnes, right? So he writes this bad Catholic blog. He's moving. But um, in any case, he was a blogger. They may, might know him. I think uh, recognize some of his things. Steubenville grad. Um, he made a video on World Youth Day that was like the best video I could find on World Youth Day at the time when I wanted to show kids. That was, um, I think it was, it was Pope Benedict. It was, uh, I don't know if it was the clone World Youth. I think it was. I think that's the one it was. And um, I came back, wanted to show people, you know, what it was like. Found that video, which really captured the spirit of it. And there was a song. He used a, he used a rat-tat-tat song over it, like in the beginning. Um... And then it like blended into Matt Moore's, I think, Lord, I Need You. No, not Lord, I Need You, but I wish it wasn't written yet. But it was um, one of Matt Moore's songs. And I just loved the video so much. I actually emailed him and said, you know, what song is that in the beginning of the video? And thanks to the video. And he just wrote back, it's a tat It's called Crypt. I'm like, oh, it's so cool. This video itself is the simplest little thing. But the way he edited it uh, with interviewing people and quick cutting, you know, asking kids. It was kind of like the first time I'd seen anything really like that. I know it was the... It seems like these videos have been around forever, but this is like the beginning of these videos, for me anyway. Then also I just found Chris uh, Stefanik's uh, videos as well that around this time. I started seeing him making his short videos. Super inspiring. So Bishop Barron had been making his Word on Fire videos. I was seeing those. But when I saw Mark Barnes' little video on World Youth Day and Chris Stefanik's style, those two, the style of those two. And Mark Barnes has not made videos since. He does these little Google Hangouts from time to time, but like he won't... Um, He's not into videos, right? He's just blogging, he's writing. He's really a writer. But Christophonic's videos continued, and they really inspire me. So I really look at his videos and say, that's, I don't know, it just, it makes me want to 
to try it. So I did a lot of YouTube um, research, looked at a lot of tutorials, got the equipment, learned how to use cameras and mics and stuff like that, and then started to play around. And going into the high school, I realized that a two-minute video on Friday was a good way to reach all of them. It plays on their homerooms, and um, it's a way for me to speak to them spiritually every week, um, pretty directly. You know, although it's through the medium of the smart board and the video itself, it's um, it's a way for them to see me. And even some of the international students, we have a lot of students in the school from China. Sometimes they'll see me and they'll say, "Oh, I know you. You're from the TV. You know, you, <laughs> I, see, I see you from the TV. You you know, you pray with us in the morning, and I see your videos. You you make the videos. It's uh, it's like the way I can uh, be present to them in a way that I think they understand and appreciate. Short video, but that's where it came from. It's amazing, uh, Chris how much, and Mark Barnes. How this uh, this generation like really like uh, that's that's kind of how you have to speak to them through through video. Um, I, we do a we do a, a freshman faith day at our school where we have um, just let's take a freshman all uh, three hour four hour retreat um, and kind of youth rally type of deal. And it's so funny because we'll we'll get up there and with a big auditorium full of freshmen it can be kind of hard to like settle them down and quiet them down and here I am trying to talk and or, or the chaplain or whoever else is trying to speak and speak to them and it's it's like unruly and then we, we throw on a video of like uh, Mark Hart speaking about uh, about the mass or something like that whatever the theme happens to be and it's like they're silent because it's a video it's like oh this must be important it's on video um, there's like something to that for this generation um, I think like I even know teachers who will record themselves um, and then play it for them because some kids literally can pay attention and focus better if they're watching a video screen. I think we say this generation too, but imagine if we had this too when we were younger too. It would have been Everyone equally would. amazing to us. Yeah. Yeah, we just never had the capacity for it. Right. Yeah, one of the things that I, I, I as someone who... Uh, who loves film and loves movies and, and stuff like that. I, I wrote my my thesis on this kind of stuff at the seminary, and I found this article um, that I think it's like the Black Friars magazine, a Dominican magazine, and the article was written in like the 50s about why um, it was a debate, why uh, film is the um, greatest art form, um, because you have video so you have the composition like art or photography so you, you have to compose things visually then you have the spoken word so that's like plays and acting and poetry and stuff like that it's all written and then performed and then you have music that you can put in like the score or the underlying music that you can use so you have all these different art forms coming together that can capture our attention uh, and create an emotional uh, response in us whereas you know, just getting up there and teaching doesn't necessarily do that. If you were to stand in front of them on the camera in the morning and, and say the same thing that you said in the video, it doesn't have the same emotional response because it doesn't have cuts. It doesn't have other images overlaid over it. It doesn't have that music that kind of creates music. an emotional response that allows the message to connect on a, a deeper way. I like to think about the melody of the music as opening up the heart. Whatever message comes in is up to the person right. conveying the message, right? But then that heart opens up, I think, with the music. And I think you see that in all film and all good shows. And I was just watching just a Ken Burns, the making of Ken Burns' new documentary, Vietnam, 
which is debuting on September 17th, very exciting. But that, um, the, the, the process is just fascinating. And then the way they brought in all the musicians, um, I forget the guy's name now too, but you know the guy from Nine Inch Nails, popular name. Trent Reznor? Um, yeah, Reznor and his, the other guy he works with. Yeah, so these guys, they were even brought in. And of course, the authentic Vietnamese music and all those instruments. And, but they know how important that is, yeah. And I think the same thing is true when you make these videos for the kids. The music's so important. Which is the one little, it's like this caveat. It's, it's very, I think it's important in terms of like the Peter's Boat videos themselves, the ones I make for the kids in the school, which I put online, that they use, I, don't, I use copyrighted music basically. It's not like I, I don't use the stock uh, public domain music. And I realized that it's possible that they could be pulled, you know, at some point, you know, if YouTube, but I don't even put them on YouTube, I put them on Vimeo and directly on the site but anyway I use copyright music because I just I think that the it's so important to use a melody that the kids find attractive and I think um, I don't know the, the, the quality of the tone the quality of the sound when you oh, I'll be honest with you let's say it this way a lot of times I'm listening to a song and I get an idea for a video based on the song yeah. say it that way mm. this isn't me just looking for music to put behind a message this is a lot of times I hear the song and I I just have a sense of what because I always have ideas for videos <laughs> like you know um, I've I've got a, on my phone I've got they're called PB ideas basically Peter's Boat ideas and there's like 30 possible videos in there like a couple of keywords that would remind myself of uh, like uh, what I'm thinking what the video might look like and then I hear a song and I'm like oh that would be good for that the Dream of Hell video that that song would work well for you know, the walking on water video, that kind of thing. Um, so when I hear the songs, I start thinking about the video. That's Christophonic, the music behind and the, and the cuts, obviously, his multiple camera angles. And then also um, the song behind the Mark Barnes video. It was like, to me, it was everything. The way, because the way he was editing it, the crypt starts off with like that. And he was cutting, like the clips, the images were cutting in time with the video. It was just so cool. It was just, I don't know, I'd never really seen anything like it and it worked. And um, I realized that the videos themselves are very much wed to the audio. You know? <laughs> also, uh, vocals quality, the sound of your voice, too. You know, looking into that, too, and learning how to record the voice well. You know, lavalier microphones, <laughs> things like that. I think it's all important. I know it sounds like uh, techie stuff that people aren't interested in, but, and they may not be, you know, in terms of how it's done, interested in that. But it's, uh, in any case, I think it's very important for the feel of it and the, the look at the beauty. The, the beauty of it you know without the beauty nothing's going to happen so but that's one of those things where if you, all that stuff people don't realize all the stuff that goes into making something like that but if you do it well then people won't realize it it's like i i <coughs> excuse me um <laughs> i remember working on a project with a friend of mine and <clears throat> there was a program called color that was new and you just adjusted the color. And um, mm. that gets like hours to get the, the film. So not Well, it wasn't film. To get the video to look the way that I wanted it to. And to make every scene look the same. And, and you know, like you, the light changed in this. So to fix that and blah, blah. So when it came out and I, this one person said something to me about like, oh, did you shoot that in HD? This was before HD was popular. And I was like, no. Mm. And I just said I used color and they're like oh okay 
And I was like, they have no idea how much work I put into it, but they thought it was HD, so that <laughs> that makes me happy. But um, if yeah. and then well, it makes a huge difference when you compare it to like any any other video. Like when you see a video that you you can tell time was spent, like you said, um, cutting with the music and um, just having down to the very last detail. You know, to to somebody who's not into that sort of thing, it might not make a difference alone. But to anybody who can compare them side by side, it's it's such a difference. And once you watch a video like that, I think you you wouldn't want to watch it any other way. You wouldn't you wouldn't be drawn to it as much. But here's here's something else. I was be interested to think. You know, asking we just lost Nolan. What you guys? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so funny. The kids come into the room. <laughs> They're like, what's this cord? Does this go to the computer? You know, I, I would say this to you. I don't know if um, what your thoughts are on this, but I think it's we have to admit now, though, just a few years after the advent of this kind of um, videography, it's everywhere. Everyone's doing it. And it's not necessarily as... It's similar. I think it's still as attractive, but it's not necessarily the same kind of... Um, Impact? Yeah. Novelty. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's so so unique where it's like, oh, these kids are seeing videos like this all the time. And now my videos, in particular, are certainly, you know, compared to a lot of the videos they see, certainly like, you know, um, less quality in terms of like the, the, you know, the capability that I have and the video and the style and who I am too. Like I'm not the you know smartest or the coolest guy they've ever seen or like the most holy priest I've ever heard of. There's so much stuff on the internet that it's important for me anyway to remember that I'm not really I'm not looking to be an, an an internet personality or an online presence in competition with all the other things online I mean you know just just there's so much stuff out there that even these videos themselves the kids are like yeah I've seen it we're all making videos everybody's doing it they make videos all the times themselves but um, I still think at the end of the day practically speaking it's a good way for me to speak to them in the high school so what I'm doing with the the internet is one thing. Whatever I post them online because their parents are there, and maybe they want to. So the kids go to college and they say, "I'll follow the the videos," like when I'm at school. So they watch them from college. Right. That makes me happy. But I am making them for a specific audience. I make them for the kids in the high school. And I think people who watch online, like a lot of the parishioners in the church and things, like people who follow the site, I think they like to see me speaking to the kids. Yeah, I, I, so, I yeah, I so. yeah, because if you have. And, and I it's like just a, that you continue to do that. If it's well, I appreciate that. That's you know, it's funny. One of the coolest things I found is like when teachers from St. Anthony's, for example, which is like our rival, when they say to us, "You know, I showed your video in the class, or the kids saw your video." Like I go to St. Anthony's sometimes, the kids are like, "Yo, our religion teacher showed us the last week's video." That's honestly, that's really, really. It makes me really happy. I think only because I just love the idea of the Catholic schools seeing and recognizing their communion in Christ you know so and that, and I love the idea of you know we'll compete you on the field uh, compete with you on the field and then uh, pray with you in the classroom I love yeah. that you know? I mean and I think also <laughs> though like your videos have even spanned and, and, and reached even further than that um, I mean I, I think like I counted like at least three times that when we were in Poland or in uh, at the march that somebody referred to you as the red cup priest <laughs> somebody who I'd never yeah, seen the greater, before because of the greater Catholic community was reached because of that Starbucks red cups incident yeah. that was beautiful that was a I mean God is good because it's like this little 
controversial thing happening in the in in the culture and you make one little comment on it and all of a sudden the church is reaching the world now and <laughs> with this broad brush it's really cool yeah but i think it, it's reach. cool that it's 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 still cool that you continue to maintain that these videos are for the kids and for the students and and you continue to direct your your thoughts to them i think that's what makes them unique unlike you know some of the other really good videos that are out there and really good um you know, uh, preachers and, and, and speakers who, who release these sorts of things. What's unique about your videos is they are for the young people and not just young people in general, but in a specific community. And I think that's why they hit home the way that they do. Because you're not just, well, talk, you're not just talking to like a, you're not just talking to like, you know, the world, hello, the world out there. You're talking to, yeah. you're talking to, yeah. to, to John and to, to Jane and to the kids that you know. I don't know if you know a John or Jane, but <laughs> <laughs> you're talking to specific yeah. people. Like I'm sure there's specific teens and even faculty members and, and staff workers that are on your heart and on your mind as you make those videos. Yeah. I mean, I think if you think about what is, what's that thing you're feeling in your heart as you're watching a lot of this Catholic uh, media, I think like these conversations you see on our Catholic channels, sometimes um, the stations on, or a lot of the podcasts, I think um, not um, necessarily a, um, you know, not necessarily all of them, but a lot of the podcasts is just a sort of general audience where the conversation can get a little uh, neutered, where it becomes a little, it's almost like... Water um, down. Yeah, so broad, so broad that it's um, it's obvious to the listener. I think that you don't want to say something that offends a particular group, right? Or, or maybe just even more generally, you don't know who you're speaking to. And if you don't know who you're speaking to, like something like this too. I'm I'm imagining the people who listen to this podcast as I speak to you now. I don't know exactly who it is. I'm sure there's, I'm sure I maybe know just a handful of them. But like, I'm imagining some of our friends in common mm -hmm. as I'm listening, as I'm speaking to. And I'm really trying to imagine that they're here in that conversation. Yeah. Because I don't really know. Honestly, I'm, you know, I'm learning this as a priest. I don't really know how to speak to you unless I know something about you. Sure. I really don't. I just don't know. I mean, I, and that's helped me a lot, too, you know, um, especially in high school. Uh, people think it's impossible to communicate the gospel to the, people, the kids in high school. Not necessarily. Because as we said before, there's something that's important to the kids in high school. And if there's something important to them then it's important to Christ, and there's a way in. It's just up to us to to see, recognize what's important to the person. Who are we speaking to? So like when you go to the parish, it's so important to have a sense of who you're speaking to in the parish. What are they experiencing? Where are they? And it's tough sometimes. Sunday preaching can therefore become so broad, so, well, God forbid, pointless. But it's it's a lot of times just simply because the priest has more of a sense of, I'm speaking to the public. I'm speaking to the public. It's hard. It's really hard because that kind of speaking to the public, then it becomes, it becomes impersonal. Yeah. And you can't just pick out three of your favorite parishioners and just preach to them. Right. But I do think it's important when, when writing or preparing a homily or preaching to, to have specific people in mind when you're speaking. Absolutely. I really do. I do that. You know, I don't know. I guess I wonder if you feel the same thing or experience the same thing in the school. No, I think you're right. And I think it's no wonder that um, the, the priests who have made the most impact in my life are the ones that I have gotten to know personally. Well, I think that's a, a perfect way to uh, wrap things up. So 
I actually have to drive my parents to the airport, so if, if that wasn't the perfect way to wrap things up, I apologize. So uh, God bless everybody who listened. Thank you, Father Rob, for uh, coming on, and it was a pleasure being with you today. Check out PetersBoat.net, right? We'll put it all in the show notes, and you'll be able to see all that. All right. See you guys later. You've been listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. See you next time.